block, block, watch your brainwave levitate. Ooh, come and float with your boy. Man. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. You know, I'm honored here to have Alexander Starr. Mr. Alexander Starr, I don't fit a label, so they label me bizarre. Cruising out the Cuba just to puff on a cigar. Then I'm outie with my Saudi on a charter the guitar. No net, no sweat. People wanna tell me what I can't go get. And then they see me walking with it like, oh no. And I smile right back at them like, oh yes. Oh yes, oh yes. I smile right back at them like, oh yes. They be looking at me like, oh no. Hey man, so let, let's uh, let's actually get right into it. So you, so you, we talked about you, what type of artist you are, and I said, are you yeah. kind of a, you're a hip hop artist? But you were like, well, I don't know. Tell me what the hesitancy hesitancy is there, and so how would you describe your art and who you are? So that's an excellent question. I mean, I am a hip hop artist. Okay. Um, but I happen to sing as well. Yeah, I got a little island influence, so I do like R&B, hip hop, reggae. Island influence, huh? Yeah, I've been in South Florida for like. Oh yeah, yeah, South Florida. Yeah, South Florida do that to you. It's it's, it's like an island. Yeah. It is. Um, but I kind of like as an artist, man. I don't like being referred to as a as a rapper, per se, or at least I haven't for a long time. Even though that's my roots. Sure. Just because of like the world's perception of rapper. If I meet a perfect stranger. And then someone tells them I'm a rapper. If I say, oh, yeah, I'm a rapper, automatically that kind of like draws this picture right. of what I do and what I'm about. What do you think it draws? In my head. Oh, man. Ignorant messages, degrading women, sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, the uh, just the stereotypes. Right. Rap is a, has garnished this stereotype around itself because of what... Uh, gets projected the most. Major engines are projecting yeah, and absolutely. investing in. So literally, you go anywhere in the world and you say rapper, right? They'll automatically think, you know, gold teeth and diamonds and, oh, look at my car, look at my bitch, da 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 And that's what everybody's, right. like, doing nowadays. But that's not what hip-hop is. There's a difference for me between hip-hop and rap. What is hip-hop and what's hip-hop the difference between hip-hop and rap? Hip-hop is an actual, like culture like the roots of hip-hop are in community they're in like you know brotherhood and sisterhood and togetherness and actually like uplifting the urban or not ur- not so urban right. brown culture um beyond brown like any color sure but like rap is the product that has been invested in by people who know nothing about hip-hop yeah you know what you know what we had a um another podcast where we discuss Little Nas X and how Little Nas X seems like an anomaly to people but he is not like he's just it just happened to be one of the, one of the mainstream uh, uh, one of the first people to go mainstream he calls it country uh, country trap but he has taken what I think is the true form of hip hop which is storytelling in a creative way yeah. right yeah. and then bringing people together through that storytelling that's really what I consider the best of hip hop and rap yeah I actually am not mad at that and I wouldn't call him country at all. I, it's, he said he, he called himself he calls himself a new category country trap. <laughs> so he, that's what he okay. called it. I haven't heard a single one of his other songs, so I can only speak of my knowledge on Old Town Road. Right. If you take away his vocals on Old Town Road, nothing about that song is country. Yeah. If you take the instrumental, it's trap. It's it's a trap beat where he's storytelling right. in a make fun of country people way. <laughs> and I can say that because I'm from Tennessee. Like I grew up right. with Three Six Mafia, but I also grew up with It's Your Love. It just does something to me. Like 
I know country. Right. I know hip hop. I know everything in between. He's making fun of being a country person, right? On a trap beat. So I wouldn't necessarily call it country. Yeah, I mean, country didn't call it country for a while too. They wanted to take him off the charts, but they put him back on. He's the number one song ever now. So like, oh, yeah. I guess everybody's last laugh with Lil Nas X. So for sure. <laughs> but I also don't know how much of that song he owns. So. Oh well, I hope he owns the song, but that's. I hope so too. I heard things. I seen articles, or whatever. I don't know what to believe. Right. I would like to actually just have a conversation with him. And ask hey, him that's one of the things. So let's just put out a little Nas X. We love to have a conversation. Yo, let's come like, through. Let's actually do that together. Yeah, we'll do that together. Let's do. We're going to do disruption now. Disruption now. Yeah, featuring Alex Lil and Star Nas X. Yeah, and Lil Nas X. We'll let me that. be there so I, because I got questions I want to ask. Him yeah, we're gonna, hey, we gonna put that out in the universe. Yeah. It's gonna happen. Amen. So you know, but no, we but but when you go back to going back to Lil Nas X. Mm-hmm. There's been a long history. Country music is actually rooted in with a lot of black people and storytelling, and black people and white people came together to make that music. And then it became like the stereotype became kind of like, okay, we don't necessarily want to have African Americans be the face. Now we want to have the face be the stereotype when you think of country music, which you'll think of a, a white guy in a cowboy hat, right? But that's not actually true. I mean, Ray Charles, lots of people have a long history in that. Oh, yeah. So going back to the stereotype of hip hop and what's projected out there, what is it that you want people to understand when they hear your art? That it's not. That's an excellent question. Well, thank you. When people think of my music um, and then with, I think, I guess, hip hop and rap attached. Right. I guess one of the main things that I've kind of falling back from wanting to be associated with rap is because it's so ego driven okay it's a business that promotes artists and images and songwriters that put out music telling you how great they are yeah and how amazing their life is and how and, much money they spend and, and how many women right. they slept with and yeah and my career has foundations of telling you how great you are okay Interesting. So what? But how does that work? I mean, so you're you're a business person, um, and it seems as if the, the 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 disadvantage there, you are outside the mold. You're making your own way, but it's not only the regular average citizen that has this view of what hip hop is supposed to be. Uh, you know, the mainstream does, and the average citizen. So how do you, knowing that people think that, and you're trying to do something different, how how do you approach that? How, how do you how do you get in when people have this expectation and they say, well, is what you're doing rap? Because you don't cuss, right? I mean, let's let's talk about that. Like, so you don't you don't you don't try to fit into a stereotype. One, how does that work? Two, I mean, uh-huh. you don't cuss. Why and how do you fit into uh, I guess a genre where I think cussing is pretty common. Right, sure. I mean, in everyday life, I cuss. Okay, man, we live in Miami. You should see me in traffic. <laughs> it's crazy out here. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a human, man. I'm an adult. Like, right. Yeah, I cuss, but I also recognize that, you know, the entire world, music has the ability to reach the entire world. One song is your conversation to the world. What are you going to be saying? You know, if one song blows, and and, and to be honest, as an artist, you don't know which one of your songs is going to blow. It's true of podcasts and videos, too. Yeah, anything, any content. It could just go viral. Which conversation do you want to go viral? And... As if you're making conversations, because really as an artist, I'm building a catalog of conversations that I'm having with myself and other people in the form of music. Right. Right. So I'm literally just having conversations that I understand could potentially be had with the entire world. 
And, you know, I don't want to have an ignorant conversation with the world. I don't want to have a reckless conversation with the world. I want to have a creatively intelligent conversation with the world. And it just so happens that I don't really feel like I need to be engaged in profane conversations ignorant with the world. sales though right i mean so how do you get away from the temptation i, I get it yeah, i get it and, I, and I, by the way i love that you do that because this this narrative is about changing the conversation changing the outcomes and changing the world so that's that's what we like to, to do because we sure. gotta we gotta change the, we gotta change the mindsets to do that you gotta change the change the narratives out there which mm-hmm. i applaud you doing there's sacrifice in doing that though there has to yeah of course yeah I mean, to touch on what you just said, ignorance sells, but knowledge sells too. All right. You know, positivity sells. Like some of the biggest markets in this world have nothing to do with ignorance. I'd like to tap into those with my artistry rather than subscribe to the ignorance that has been massively invested in. It sells, but it doesn't sell as much as you would think. These labels pad their sales. These labels, when they, the, the engines control what we see on the mainstream level because they invest in it. Think about it this way. Any given radio show, right, in an hour slot with talking, with commercials, with hosts, with everything, there's room for 10 songs, maybe. 10 songs out of a million that were released yesterday by major and independent artists. We're not really getting a real representation of the music being made in the world. We're getting a representation of what the people who can afford to control those 10 slots want us to hear. True. Right? So the people don't know what they want until they get it. Right. How are you going to get it? By Old Town Road, so nobody would have bought that. They just got, he got it out there. He got it out. Because it doesn't fit in one category. Right, exactly. And labels quickly engines I don't know what the label situation is either I haven't really done research right. on who owns what in that product situation Old Town Road is a product every artist is a product yeah. and every product has some sort of entity business entity that owns that product tell us about the business of being an artist and what take yourself back when you first started in this industry mm-hmm. What would you tell yourself now that you didn't know? Because you've been doing this for 17 years, right? Roughly, yeah. Yeah. What? Like pursuing it yes. as a career for 17 years. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And I mean, it is, but it ain't, you know? True. Um, what would I tell my younger self? I would tell myself uh, to value the long term more and to invest my time a lot more wisely into things that make sense to me. Because I spent a lot of time chasing my tail and chasing uh, chasing the path of other artists okay. other writers took can you give me some examples but that wasn't necessarily my path I mean yeah of course dude like a real popular thing to do when you sit down at the creativity table with other people seeking to make this uh, their career as well a really popular thing to do is to surf other people's music that are successful and saying yo let's make something like that yeah I get that temptation I'll be very honest with you I've done that in content producing too right I've looked to say let's 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 learn from that yeah and and it's not in the music it's not let's learn from that it's let's make that oh right let's create something like that oh that song is a hit let's vibe off of that and let's make that Right. As opposed to like, yeah, that's really dope. They're doing their thing. You know what? We can do our thing. Let's create what we want to create. Lots of people do that. 
but lots of people don't. And I've right. had a lot of pressures throughout the year to sort of follow what other people are doing. Everybody does. That's why yeah, absolutely. That's why the entertainment industry has become so ratchet because we're shown ratchet wins. Works. Ratchet works, we're ratchet sells. And the people who don't know any better of just being who you are and being creative and making an appeal off of who you naturally are, the up and coming artists, you know, the kids, even the adults, they follow that, even though that's not who they really are. Sure. My goal as an artist is to lead by example and show everybody that you can be dope at being who you are and make it appealing to people. It just takes a little, a, a little bit, a lot more effort. Yeah, I imagine. So, like, what is your why? So, one of my one of my favorite books is the book by Simon Sinek. Start with why. <clears throat> the greatest companies, the greatest organizations. It's not what they do or how they do it, but they start with their why. No matter what you do or how you're doing it, your your, your why is always central to mm. your how and your what you do. Yeah. I'll give you an example uh, of myself. So, you know, I I, uh, I have a learning disability, ADHD. I struggled early on in school. And I mean, I failed technically the second and the sixth grade, but I have a strong support system. I had a strong, my, my parents both there, and particularly my mother is a great inspiration to me. So in the eighth grade, my I told my teacher that I really wanted to go to college, that I just was inspired. I want to figure out a way to do that. And she basically told me, you know, there's no way you don't have the ability to do that. And, you know, Emma, yeah, exactly. And um, my mom, thank, thank God for her, right, gave me these, 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 these great words. She said, look, you never have to be defined by anyone's low or narrow expectation of you. You define yourself for yourself, by yourself. So you know, I went to college, got two degrees. Not that that defines success, but I, I, I didn't live within that construct of what that teacher said was, was or was not possible for me. But I know a lot of people are, I would say, defined by you know, those narratives or those constructs. So why we started disruption is to disrupt all that, right? So yeah. that's my why. It doesn't change. Like I ran for office, didn't make it, but this podcast is for that reason now. It's a, it's a different what and different how, but same why. What's your why? My son has ADHD as well. Oh, wow, okay. Um, he's eight. He's, he was diagnosed with it pre-K. And it's, it's crazy because he's extremely smart, as yeah. I can see that you are too. And what I told him to kind of get him to get a gauge of what his condition is right um you know they tried to give him uh you know whatever not Ritalin but the other one yeah uh, they tried to get us to sign these papers and give him all these prescriptions and we're like no listen you have a superpower your mind works extremely fast yep and that's 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 a fact you're a superhero who doesn't yet know how to control his powers you're shooting beams of light in 20 different directions. What you need to do, what your task is to be a person in this world, to be a hero, you have to take those light, those different beams that you're shooting in directions, and turn them into a laser in one direction. Yep. When you do that, you can save the world. And that's very, you know, I can speak from experience. That's very difficult. Doable, but I would almost say the opposite is sometimes better. It's, okay. it's, 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 it's Learning how to let your mind open, flow the possibilities, see it because ADHD people are actually way more creative, mm -hmm. and then figuring out what's the so in a way, but fig, but but I think at eight the, the the issue is at eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, four for a long time you need to figure out you need to just go in a multiple different directions and yeah. in order to just do uh, and absorb as much as you can. 
while at the same time he'll have to do some things that are not comfortable, mm-hmm. not natural uh, for for him, but necessary for someone who's going to succeed with ADHD. So, you know, they're why people, why thinkers from the book. There's only like one or two percent of the population. A lot of them are ADHD, creative people all over the place. Like. Mm-hmm. So, but but a lot of them aren't successful because they don't implement the systems and have how or pra- pragmatic people around them. You know, so learning a how to get good support systems for what you don't do well and being comfortable with what you don't do well mm-hmm. and knowing that that's not a, dis- it's a it's not a disability even. I think it's a difference. Learning difference is really a way to look at it. You, your son's going to learn different, but that doesn't mean he's probably smarter than most most kids. But he learns differently, so right. so you have to just know know that going in. So 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 what you do is figure out, all right, what what motivates him, what's inspi- what inspires him, mm-hmm. and get him focused on that. Because when he does that, he will take off. But then he will also need to learn to do basic stuff like it's going to be. You have to do routine. Routines are really important. Okay, like yeah. having checklists and him having mastered how to do checklists. Like I have every single type of checklist there is, and I know details sometimes better than most. So they really work checklists. Oh my like, god! Yeah, but, but they have to be. It's going to take a while, but once you get it, see the the other side of ADHD is that well, you can be all over the place. You can also micro focus in a way that's like hyper obsession. So that laser yeah, yeah, does come yeah, like in. OCD. Right, right. They can do that, and you got to teach them to do that and stuff. Teach him to do that in things that he doesn't like, like little details. Like you got to okay, every time you get up, you got to have your book bag. Check this every single time, and it's you got to do it with him over and over and over and over again. So little things like him, like he'll forget his keys all the time. But he can he could do a differential equation, but you're gonna like why can't you remember your keys or turning your homework? But you have to get routines. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, yeah, and, and, no, it's, and it's not and it's look like it's not a hundred percent, bro. Right? It, it looks like and people for people that don't know or you got teachers that don't understand how to reach kids, they just think like, well, he's just lazy or doesn't care right. or doesn't understand. That's not true. Right. But you, it is frustrating because my son has ADHD, ADHD too, mm-hmm. and I'm looking like, damn, I can see what my parents went through. This is a lot of work, but it's <laughs> it's. But if you can get them down to those routines, and, and it's going to take it's going to take years, mm. and so the work from your part is going to be making sure that they master those routines, that he masters those routines, and when he does, he'll be able to do the other stuff. But he won't be able to get to that laser beam until he learns how to do basic routine focus. Yeah, so I got to get better with that because mom, mommy's told me that too. The doctors have told me that too. Routines, routines, routines. It's hard. Like, and I, I, I honestly feel like. Um, I was never diagnosed. Yeah. I feel like I have ADD do. without the H. Right. I'm not hyper. Right. But I'm very like I'm thinking on a, a lot of different things right. at once, and sometimes at the detriment of finishing one thought. Correct. And it's getting systems in place to do that for yourself and others, and or putting people around you that are good at doing that. Yeah. One of those two things have to happen. So hopefully yeah. your wife is good at details. So she's extremely good. At <laughs> so that that's that's pretty important. So back to your why. What's your why, man? Man, my why, you know, I kind of have to backtrack and give you um, how I got to my why. Okay, no problem. I I want to hear that. To understand my why. So I I literally, um, I believe everyone is given like a little quirk of a gift that something that they're really good at that entertains them. And, you know, to become a gift to other people, you have to learn how to provide value with your little quirky gift. My quirky gift, I realized a long time ago, was writing rhymes. 
I started writing rhymes at seven years old in second grade. I would do show and tell, but instead of talking about my toy, I would rhyme about my toy. And I realized that it just makes people smile. Like, it engages them. When you talk about things, but you rhyme about them, like, it perks their ears up about boring things. So I carried that throughout school. So whenever I would do, let's say, like, book reports, I would rhyme the plot of the story instead of explaining it to the class. When I have PowerPoints, I would incorporate rhymes and incorporate song into presenting. And when you make your teacher smile, you're going to get an A. And you know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know what you're yeah, talking about. You yeah. make a teacher smile, you're going to get an A. And I literally graduated at the top of my class in high school and college. Um, but around 11th grade, I was found freestyling at a basketball por- park by uh, an up-and-coming artist manager. He brought me to a studio. We, I met who would become my future recording group members. And from 11th grade, I was full-time committed to a career in the music industry. Um, me and the guys, we independently put together an album. We would go around the streets singing acapellas to wow. sell our CDs, like real old school. Give, like, me, give, give me some of the acapellas you say. type shit. Okay. What you got? Uh, well, we were a three-piece, so I can't harmonize uh, okay, with myself. Okay, okay, all right, well. Uh, one of the records. I'll try, I don't know if I'm going to. All right, so. <laughs> Here's how it would go. Um, okay, so here's one of the hooks. Nobody's ever asked me to actually sing the hook when I told the story, so I'm going to do this. One of them is called Fool for Love. All right. Girl, your love has got me in a cage, but I don't want to wait in vain, so let me out. I won't be your fool for love. Say you need to find somebody else, because you only love yourself, and I'm fed up. I won't be your fool for love. We would do that. Three-piece harmony. All right. High, middle, low note. The verse, one of us will beatbox. Like, you know, Smoke, he was a dope beatboxer. All right. I would spit the verse, bars, just straight rapping. And Lex, who was like mostly R&B, he would do the ad-libs. All right. So we'd have R&B, hip-hop, and the two of them from the islands as well. So we did R&B, hip-hop, reggae, acapellas. All right. Harmonized hook, beatbox, rap verse, harmonized hook, done. That's what it would look like. And we did that on South Beach. We did that at the Hard Rock. We did that everywhere we went. We will approach you at your dinner table sitting outside. Right. You'll be sitting there with your wife. and be like, hey, excuse me. I'm sorry to bother y'all. Um, I'm with my co- recording group. We want to sing something live for you. Will you take a listen? And the number one response is, you want to sing for us? Okay, if you're terrible, we'll tell you. <laughs> Everybody will say that. Everybody's very, very quick to tell you when you're terrible, yeah. aren't they? And we'll be like, we welcome that. If we're terrible, please tell us and we'll recalibrate. We just so happen to be the opposite of terrible. Everybody will be like, man, y'all are amazing. Do you have a CD? Pull out the back pocket. As a matter of fact, we do. <laughs> oh, that's, 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 a, that's a good selling technique. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's live feedback. Like, you know, we're not just running up saying, hey, buy my CD. Right. We're saying, like, hey, we want to sing for you. And then if you like it, you'll ask us for one. And right. then it's a guaranteed sale. We sold like 9,000 CDs. Wow. Uh, independent. $10 a that's piece. That's awesome. You just, 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 just doing that. Just doing that. Sell 9,000. 9,000. How much a pop? $10. That's dope. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's bold, too. I love it, you know? Yeah. And I I got a lot of my performing experience. Now, like, if people ask me to perform, like, it's absolutely nothing. Like, you know, if I can approach a stranger, you know, who's on vacation in a group of table, like, with 10 people, like, I could perform for anybody. And that is such a good story. And so, so people can learn as they think about 
how they how they grow. You I get those questions all the time. How do you go out to be an artist? How do you go to start your own podcast? How do you go to do this stuff? My first answer is just go do it. Just go do it. <laughs> exactly. Just go do it. I mean, you yeah. know, don't don't wait. Don't plan forever. People say, well, I gotta have this. Gotta have. no. You don't. I mean, you're gonna make mistakes as you go along, but you got to go out there and do it. Yeah. Most importantly, though. Mm-hmm. That human touch yeah. of going out there, meeting people, doing this face to face is pe- people think because okay, you have an online presence, you can send an email, send out a tweet, and I've done my job. Like no, no, you haven't. You haven't. You got to touch people, reach them individually. Yeah. Even exactly. when you send out an email, you send out a tweet. Don't send out an email, a tweet saying something general, because people get hundreds of those same things right, asking. Exactly. You're not saying anything. You're not showing any value to that person. All you're doing right. is just saying you want something from them and you're not going to get them anything. Yeah, exactly. Well said. And I mean, you know, you just learn as you go. Like, just start and learn as you go. So one of the things that we learned as we went is you don't approach strangers with everybody at the same time. We're a, we're a group of brown men. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't roll up on somebody's dinner table and like five people rolling up like, hey, we want to, you know, they think they about to get robbed. Yep. So we learned like, you know what, star, you're out <laughs> did, did, did you actually do that before when y'all tried to offer for it? Yeah, that's how we started. Like, we, we just roll up on people. <laughs> and you see people clutch their purses. You see people like, you know, they don't know what to make of it because they're on vacation. They're not from around here. They see a bunch of black dudes rolling up. You know what it is. You know what I'm saying? Or at least they thought they know what it is. And then... You know, they get serenaded. So they're pleasantly surprised so much that the, the surprise is so drastic. Of course, we'll buy your shit. Like, yo, <laughs> we're so happy that you turned out to be something. You weren't trying to rob us. You weren't trying to rob us. You try to give us melody, right? So, you know, but they, you know, I learned, like, you know, let me just go up by myself. Y'all fall back, like, maybe 10, right. 15 feet. Right. And then when we get the okay. So you're the safe Negro. I'm the, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the, the okay. halfway, you know, <laughs> I'm the middle ground. I'm the bridge. So, yeah, so we, we ended up uh, approaching a table one day that ended up to be fateful. It was a professional athlete, and he loved us so much that he ended up moving us into his house. Oh, wow. I was 18. So at 18 years old, I'm living in uh, a pro athlete's mansion. Great dude, like incredible dude. Showed me a side of life, showed us a side of life that most people, and this ties into my why, most people see, they see the fancy cars and the mansion and the women who just want to be around you because of your status. Sure. I was shown that at 18 years old. That's an early age to be shown that. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's a I'm not sure if I could handle it, by the way. You know. That, I'm just being, I'm being honest who I am. Yeah, for sure. No, and that was an interesting point, too, which also ties into my why. Because at 18, I'm driving, I'm, I'm riding Phantoms and Benzes and Hummers right. on 30-inch rims, me and my group, like, rent-free in an 11-bedroom mansion. He had an 11-room house, and we lived in a three-bedroom guest house on five acres, full-court basketball court, swimming wow. pool, gym, sauna, and steam room. Like, we're chilling, right? And we're living the life. But as I'm in the club with them, not even old enough to get in, we got like 10 bottles, all, you know, you know, we want, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to, let me not implicate anything, but uh, living this life. <laughs> It'll be okay. Nobody's going to, the, the statute of limitations is passed. You're good. Sure. Fair point. <laughs> uh, you, 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 you got the legal team. You yeah. already know all that stuff. All right, cool. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, I'm in the club, living it up, swirling my drink, and for some reason, you know, 
Anybody else probably would have been going crazy. Women are coming up to me like, what number are you? Thinking I'm playing in the NBA, too. Yeah, because I probably would have rolled it like 15. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Girl, I'm, I'm a number 111. Yeah. Uh, you won't see me, though. You know, I mean, yeah, you'll see me. I'm on reserve, but, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. don't worry about it. Exactly. Um, but I'm swirling my drink, looking around, and for some reason I could tell. I could just look at people and see, like, looking at all these people in VIP. You know, the dudes got their own section, and they got a the beautiful girl with them, but... He's standing there with a straight face and dark shades on in the dark room. They're not really talking. I'm like, yo, none of these people look happy. Yeah. Nobody here really looks happy. I'm watching people spend 10 grand in one night, and the only people really having fun is general admission. The people who <laughs> stood in line, so they going to have a good time. <clears throat> yep. They paid 20 bucks to get in. They came here just to have a drink or two, try and mac to a girl or vice versa, whatever, and they're having a good time. But the people in VIP are putting up a facade. They're putting up a charade um, to look a certain way. Right. If you really think about it, in the club, there's really no substance. You can't get substance because the music no. is too loud. No. You can't figure out who somebody is. You can't have a, uh, an enlightened conversation in the club. That's not the point of the club. That's no. not the point no. of the club. The club Enlightenment is, is not it. put up this physical appearance to make people assume things about you. Right. How much money can you spend? They assume your pockets are deep. Right. Even if you just spent your whole paycheck in one night to look like you got money. Yep. You know, your section, who you're around, they make assumptions about you. Yep. But for me, I realized that like, yo, assumptions are, you're usually wrong when yeah. you make assumptions about people and when people make assumptions about you, they're usually wrong. We can all say that. Yep, people are usually the opposite of what they project. Right, exactly. That's, that, that's a t-shirt right there. I didn't make that. That's actually Robert Greene, but it's good. Yeah, well, but that, still. That's facts. Yep. And um, to tie this into my why, living that life for a long, like we lived there two years rent free, but we weren't business people and our benefactor wasn't in the music industry. So the whole time we were waiting on him to tell us what our budget for marketing, clothes, touring, whatever. We were waiting on him to tell us our budget. Right. He was waiting on us to present what we need as a budget. Right. And it never happened. So we ended up living there for two years rent-free, going to parties, driving cars, being around it, and it just got stale because nothing happened. And we were still, like, he wasn't paying us to live there. We lived there for free, but we were still slanging CDs to fill our fridge. Wow. So even any given night, and when you split CD sales in between four dudes, three dudes in a group plus the manager, yeah, it really that's minimum wage. It yeah, it it turns out to be nothing. <laughs> it's a lot of singing. Let's say we sold twenty CDs in a night, which it takes literally. If you think about it, we have to sing for almost every single CD sale, and twenty CDs in a night—that's two hundred dollars in a night split between four dudes. Yeah. That's yeah, not, then, sorry, that's not minimum wage. That's that's less. extreme property, bro. Yeah. Then you gotta buy. You know, we're hungry, so we buy a pizza. Yep. And on South Beach and play flavor prize, you buy Gatorades for everybody. Yo, at the end of the night, we going home with twenty dollars each, if yeah. that. But we live in a mansion. It's not sustainable. So I was like, dude, before we can be a strong group, we need to be strong individuals. And I'm moving back in with my parents, and I'm going to school. Right. So I left the mansion and moved back into my room. Wow. <laughs> right. And uh, this is where my why comes in, because we had been influenced by a lot of people to do our music a lot of certain ways. I have songs we made that I'm proud of. I have a lot of songs we made that I'm not proud of. And I literally asked myself when I moved back into my parents' house and I went back to school, I was like, yo, if I die tonight, do I have music that I would be proud to have played at my funeral? Wow. That people will recognize me, the real me, in my music. And I could honestly say I didn't have enough songs like that. So I switched 
the way that I wanted it to be. At the time, um, my grandmother was still alive, and I spent a lot of time with her. And my grandmother is this little old white Jewish lady born in 1917, and we were like the odd couple around town. But every Friday, for as long as I had been living in Florida, um, I took her to the hair salon at noon. From the hair salon, we would go to lunch. From lunch, we would go to public, so we would go to the mall. We would just basically spend time with each other. Right. Every Friday, me and my little old white Jewish grandma. And uh, I was like, yo, I'm making music. I should be able to turn my music up when she's in the car, not turn it down out of a shame. Out wow. of shame or embarrassment. <clears throat> Grandma influenced the why. Grandma influenced the why largely. You know, like I said, I want music. I want to be able to play music that my peers rock with, but it's not ignorant to the point where my grandma is like, we didn't raise you like that. Right. You know, and it can be like that. And I'll give you an example. Like one of my benchmark career idols, Will Smith, right. the Fresh Prince. He had all his right. own TV show. He was fly. He dressed fly. He rapped. He had all the honeys. Uh, I'm using 90s language now. He had yeah, all the honeys. That's my world, too, Boom. so we're good. Everybody wanted to be like the Fresh Prince yep. in their own regard. Yo, he got Grammys. He's multi-platinum. He didn't cuss in his music. Yep. He didn't degrade women in his music. He just made fly music that, you know, he was just making relatable records in a dope way. Yeah. And he's Grammy winning multi platinum. Like, yep, you're right. Who's replicating that? Of all of the artists that people are replicating, nobody's replicating Will Smith. I find that crazy. Yes, because you're right. Will Smith was ultra, ultra successful, right. super, uber successful. Right. And now look at his career. What rapper has net worth like Will Smith now? Good point. Very few. I mean, Jay Z, but a few others. But even Jay Z evolved the game. Like he exactly. Jay Z, I think he, he he started off in the ignorant world. I think he would tell you this. Yeah. And then he, but he's evolved. He didn't right. stay there, and he understood that he's building towards a business and a brand, and he right. represents more than. Right. And he doesn't want to be known for representing ignorance, and I don't think he's known for that anymore. People wouldn't even say that anymore. Exactly. I even I I think I read an article somewhere about like Jay Z. You know, one of his biggest records, Big Pimpin', like. He doesn't even like that song. Yeah. Because he was like, dude, like, yeah, I made that. I did it. It was big, but I don't believe in what I was saying. Right. And that's a big move for an artist to make. It is a big move. And I think but what, it's, it's easier for him to make now. That's why I applaud you because it's, he, under, he, he, he didn't do it then because he was trying to get to where he is now, but yeah. you're staying pure to your why, which is, right. again, it requires, uh, it requires discipline yeah. and there's some. Trade-offs, you know, and, there's no solutions, yeah. only trade-offs. There's trade-offs. It makes you extremely against the grain. Yeah, and which also provides benefits. It also provides benefits, but it's like, you know, the marathon versus, you know. Yep. I put it like this. In a music industry where everybody's making fast food, I'm making home-cooked meals. Yep. They take a lot longer, but they taste a lot better. So let's talk about that. You have... You, when you go across the world, you do your term. You said keynote concerts. Yeah. What is a keynote concert? <laughs> so that's one of the benefits of being an artist who uses music as yeah, a. He's going to trademark this, by the way. We've talked about. Oh this. yeah, keynote concerts. Don't yes. you know? Yes. This mine. Yeah. Uh, date stamp. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as a benefit of using music as a vehicle for positive change, I'm able to have strategic partnerships with reputable 
companies, organizations, governments. I've made anthems for cities before. Um, and, you know, collaborations with the United Nations. I performed in the United Nations twice awesome. already. Um, so a keynote concert, keynote performer, is I get booked to perform at a lot of global leader conferences. So like the Millennium Campus Conference, I'm now um, a major player in Montessori Model United Nations. I perform at four MMUN conferences this year um, where we're basically, I'm on panels with distinguished speakers, whether they be United Nations ambassadors or Nobel Prize winners or people who started incredible organizations that are making global change to like really influential diplomats. I'm on panels with them as a recording artist who uses my music to uplift people as opposed to tear them down or spread right. poison. And the concert part comes in is because you know people go to these conferences not expecting music. They expect speeches. Right. And I'll go up and I'll speak. And my my demeanor is so different. Like, I don't even go. Everyone's in suit and ties. Right. And I'm in, like, a fly, you know, neon color black, uh, track suit or something. Right. And I go up to the front. And I'm like, this is my formal attire, you know. Yeah. And then I speak about what I've done with my music and about purpose. Purpose is really the number one thing that I talk about. Okay. And I tell them that, like, purpose is the GPS that tells your talent where to go. Everybody's talented. Right. But someone with a lot less talent than you can make it to where you wish you were before you because they put a plan into action. They put a GPS, a purpose to get there. Right. And if you have all the talent in the world, but no purpose, you're going to chase your tail. You're going to spin in circles. So anyways, the keynote concerts, I'll come, I'll speak, I'll do my thing. And then the DJ drops my records and I do records that are in alignment with everything that I just spoke about. Right. Let's talk about your struggles. So, uh, as as uh, as we talk about often, people in this world currently with social media, every, everyone advertises everything that looks good, and even though a lot of times that's not real, yeah. that, that 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 that's a fake advertisement of who people are often when it comes to social media. Mm-hmm. But people see that and think like, oh my God, everybody else is living the best life, living their best life, and I'm not doing anything. Uh, and they see some people who may have success or some most are pretending, but even those who have success, they assume that that's, that that success was because of something instant because, you know, they went online, they got some viral moment, some viral moment where they got big. All of a sudden they're huge and the rest is history. Almost always. It's not always true, but I think the sustainable success is because people put in the work and, 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 yeah. and they had <clears throat> missteps and failures. I want to hear about some of the failures and, you know, mm. the, just think about something that sticks out in your mind uh, of, of your most pronounced failure and whatever you're comfortable sharing and what you learned from that moment. It could be professional. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be. It could be with your art. It could be personally. Would you love to hear about that and how you moved on and became better because of that misstep, failure, whatever you want to call it? Excellent question. Um, I think one of my one of my biggest failures um, was, I think the biggest one that I think from the beginning was that time that we had with that pro athlete. Right. Like he had a multi-million dollar contract. If we had a plan in place, we could have actually made waves. We could have done something incredible, but we had no plan. We expected our talent to carry us. We expected our talent to call, to give other people the ideas of where we needed to be. Right. We didn't implement our own ideas and put a plan and a strategy and a destination in place. 
We waited. We sat on the opportunity. That's probably one of the biggest mistakes that anyone can make is to wait on somebody else to show you where to go. You got to figure that shit out yourself. Yeah, because they're not going to show you. Most of the time, you you just got to go. They're not going to show you because most... Most of the time, they don't know. That's true. They can't. No one can tell you your own plan and your path for your own success. Right. And I mean, if they do know how, like, where to take you, they're gonna do it on their terms. Right. And they're gonna try and manipulate your gift. Correct. To how they want it to succeed versus how you want it to, or how you were meant to succeed. Yeah. Exactly. You know. And so, oh, that's just that's just, that's just deep. And I just tell folks. There are some genuine people in this world that will guide you and tell you. Uh, and when you find them, you need to make those people, you need to soak up all the knowledge you can. Oh, yeah. But generally, you need to figure it out. And, and there's never been more resources to figure it out. But it's also, there's, there's also never been more, you know, I'm not going to use fake news. Uh, there's, no, there's, also been, there's also never been more just uh, information that's not useful. You know, I think we... We have more information than we ever have in, ha, had in the world, and we're, I feel like people are less informed. You know, you can go out there and get the information, uh, but people don't know what, what, what information is good, and it just takes some time and effort to go through it and just figure it out and just go build the airplane while, build the airplane while you're flying. So Yeah, you're right. exactly. Build the airplane while you're flying. I love that, man. Yeah. Um, and I would say one of the biggest struggles that I have to this date is... Um, Lack of confidence in who I actually am and what I've done. I tend to set goals that are um, out of my reach at the moment, but still attainable. Right. But I'm so focused on those goals that are out of my reach that I tend to not give myself credit for what I do accomplish. I have that same weakness. I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes... Uh, I'm so busy doing what I'm doing that I don't take a minute and stop and be like, wow, I've performed in like five countries this year. This already. Year. Wow, which is incredible. Thank you. It um, is. But to me, like I on the it. ground level, I'm like, it. well, this could have gone better this way. This could have gone better it. that way. This, it, everything looks like a win yep. to other people. And it probably is. But for me, I I'm just it. like, yo, there's so much that could have gone. I could have done this better. I could have done that better. Right. I mean, I, I, I just I relate to this conversation so much because, you know, personally, I, as I, as I said, my, my why has been consistent. My how and what I, I thought I was going to be in public service at this point in my life. And, you know, it didn't go the way I had hoped. And so I'm like, OK, I'm 40 and I expected to I've already been in certain positions. But, you know, um, I've learned that, you know, you, you look, your path is your path. If you're doing what you're supposed to do and you are applying yourself and you're and you're focused on your purpose, it's going to work out. There's the process is never linear. Never yeah, is ever, ever. So <clears throat> I've had to appreciate that. I've given that advice. But even when you go through those failures, though, it's still hard to it's hard when you're going through the situation when you're especially when you have such high expectations for yourself. So, I, yeah. I man, I, I really, really get that. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about then we're going to wrap up self-reflection here about judgment and you know i say you know the best friends the best family members you can have aren't people that are always giving you praise praise is necessary but also people that are willing to wound you with the truth mm. so think about a time you've been wounded with the truth and what that was and how you learned from that mm. that's big um well 
Okay, well, I'm going to go really deep, and I'm going to go into something that I'm going through right now. Okay. This is really, really raw. Um, you know, I told you that, uh, you know, in my music, I don't use profanity. And, you know, I've reached a point in my career where I'm, I need to collaborate with people. Right. And I do collaborate with people. But what I've realized where I feel like I had wo- I've wounded myself in my career in a way, and it might not be, maybe you can help me interpret it, Okay, is that the career that I've set forth for myself up to this point and the foundations that I've built has been so strongly rooted in positivity and so strongly rooted in healing people and lifting people up that many artists are afraid to collaborate with me because they think I'm too perfect. Yeah. They think I'm too perfect. They think that I don't cuss in real life. They think that I don't like, they think I'm flawless right. and that I'm not human. And, you know, that was explained to me. Uh, Which is dangerous, by the way. People think you, you don't have flaws. Yeah, it's, it's huge. I'm extremely flawed. But, you know, my wife is telling me that. And she's just like, yeah, your music is too perfect like people are going through things and they don't always want to be told that it's gonna be okay they want they want to know that you're going through shit too i agree with that i mean and i think there's a way to tell people that you know you got to embrace struggle too yeah Um, which is why we try to talk about like there is real struggle yeah and people need to hear your your doubts because when you know i've had people on the show and i respect them that i hear they just never have any fear and never any doubts you know i never believe that because it's not true uh, and I consider myself extremely confident. I can tell people I've had doubts. I go through doubts often. I do, right? I'm a man of faith, but I, I go through doubts too. Yeah. And I look at things and I'm like, I don't understand what has happened. And if you can tell me every time in your life that no one's ever doubted things, I, I, I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe when people tell me. So I, I do think it's important for people to understand who you are because leaders, and you're a leader, you are and thank you for that, that you're leading the way and you're not giving in to profanity and you're not just following the path of someone else. We got a lot to talk about, man. This was good. Dude, Alexander. I might just meet you in uh, in Cincinnati, man. Yeah.